Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jen. Hi, I'm Jen, compulsive overeater bulimic. Hi, Jen. I, it's wild to be in this room. I haven't, um, this week is the first time in two years I've been to an in-person meeting. And, um, gosh, I can't imagine walking in this room not having it be a room, and I'm really glad that we're still here, but it is um, a blast from the past, and it's so different at the same time. You know, um, when I came in, um, the first, like, the Friday night meeting where I met my dear friend over there, like, you know, almost 16 years ago, and this meeting were amongst the first that I, that I was like, okay, these are, like, real meetings, and it's, it's, you know, it's still here, so I'm glad to be here. I, um, identify as a compulsive overeater and a bulimic because I've been saying that, and I'm just used to saying it, but the truth is that I've done a lot of different things, and I'm a very well-rounded, um, person in this program, and I've gone on all sides, and I've done, um, I've really made sure I qualified, and I, you know, it's it continues to evolve and, and change for me, but that's just the, 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 you know, that's how I've called myself for a very long time, or how I've described it, um, but it's broader than that, just so you know, and I'm just going to tell you my story, because that's what I do, and it's been a long time, feels like since I've shared my full story, and a lot of life has happened in that time. Um, not all of it, like the happy stories I'd like to tell you all. So, but it is part of my journey in this program. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and, um, I really believed that the rain caused addiction, um, because there was nothing to do outside because it rained all the time and it was dark. And so people needed to drink and they needed to eat and like, this was my thesis, um, and I just needed to leave, really. <laughs> that was going to be the plan, but I grew up, um, and I still, you know, to think about going to Oregon gives me, like, a sense of deep dread throughout my body. Um, I know it's not the state's fault, but, um, it was the original scene of the crime, and that's, you know, it's still a very hard place for me to go, but I grew up, and I had in a lot of ways, like, I like to say I grew up in a, in a loving alcoholic home, um, but, you know, as the years of my time in these rooms, like, there was a lot more going on in that home that I think I wanted to see, um, and I get to see more of it with time. But I, but I thought that I grew up in a pretty, like, I had a pretty good childhood. Um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, which is, like, a sign of not good stuff. But I don't remember a lot of it. And I, there were certain values in our family. 
And one of them was like, you have to look good. And that's really what you have. And um, when I was like a very tiny person, somebody commented on my figure, my body, like, oh, you have a good, you have a, I heard this message. You, this is your value. <laughs> don't ever lose this. Like those words weren't said, but like, I don't know why people feel it's appropriate to comment on children's bodies. Um, there's like, I will lose it if you comment on my children's bodies. That's like the, the side effect of that. But I decided at this very young age that like this was who I was and my value on this planet. And I, I just remember that from a very, you know, young age. And it was also like what it looks like on the outside, you know, like accomplishment and money. And like, it just, as long as it looks okay, it doesn't matter what's going on in the inside. And I had a really, really sick home that I didn't fully understand. And I'm still, you know, kind of trying to understand. Um, but we made it look good. We made it look good. Family pictures look good. You know, it was like, we have this great family and, um, until we didn't, until until it all fell apart. But that was like sort of, you know, my childhood. And I, um, at a very young age, found solace and comfort in food. And um, there was just not enough. There was not enough for me. I was always afraid of not having enough. Um, and I you know, I had a very, like, and I, I, I also hid in school from a very young age. And that's something, frankly, that's continued. Like work is a, it is a possibly an unhealthy tool for me. Um, but it was like a way to, it was a way out also. It was just like, I was going to get someplace else and I was going to, so school and, um, you know, food. And I had, like, I just, I lived in fantasy. I had make-believe, or I had uh, imaginary friends, which is also a sign of things if you talk to specialists. But um, I just thought, like, they were cool. Doman and Brother, they were my team. Um, I lived in fantasy, and I made this world, you know, where, and it wasn't like there was anything um, awful happening in the sense that like I had you know all my needs were met and I feel like oh gosh I have nothing to complain about like my my needs were met yeah there was alcoholism and there was other mental illness but um there was like a deep feeling that I did not belong like that I had to I was going to get away I was going to get out I was not understood um except by my dad like I felt like he wasn't like an emotional like gonna guide me through emotions but he I knew he loved me and that was like the thing that I really had growing up um but I was gonna get out um and we had like a you know there was just a lot of there was just a lot of ism there was a lot of ism you know holidays ended at 4 a.m when people passed out and Christmas Eve ended it in the middle of the night and Christmas Day started in the afternoon and I just thought that was that was how people knew how to have a good time, you know? And Christmas Eve for me was the time where we made these, like, there was all these these cookies and these cakes. And, like, that was my time. I had me and my, I had a cousin who really, we would just, we would take care of all the business. And, um, and so there was just lots of that going on. And I remember it as, like, fun. Fun, but, like, not okay at the same time. And I think that's a lot of what, you know, it was like for me growing up. Um, but I dove into school and I, school was my solution, um, school and controlling my, my, um, my outsides and and what it looked like. And 
it actually, you know, it got me places. Like, it got me the career I have today in a lot of ways. And so I feel like there are some blessings. I could have picked a lot more unhealthy things. Um, but my obsession with my body, like, and I had a very fast metabolism as a kid, so I could eat whatever I wanted, and I could eat and eat and eat, and I was tiny. Um, and then, you know, when I got into... Um, college, I really, like, really stepped it up a game, and that's where I really kind of, and I had done crazy things. Like, I I was the kind of person where I would be stoked to get a stomach bug because I couldn't eat for 10 days, and I'd be, like, so just, I really, I loved it. Um, And so, like, I remember that happening right before I went to college, and I was so happy because I, like, really was, like, you know, (laughs) hadn't eaten for 12 days. I was feeling good. And, um... I, like, got a high, actually, off of it, you know, and went to college, and then I discovered um, bulimia, and, you know, I just think that I did not, it was my tool, like, I didn't, I didn't have the tools to show up for life, and I think, the other thing I didn't realize is that I had such such brutal anxiety. I did not know I had one experience with anxiety until I came into this room. And once I put down all the things I was doing, I was like, oh, wow, I'm not okay in my body and in this planet. And I, but it was like, that was how I comforted myself. And there was like a few random things that happened. I remember I lived in this place and there were always pretzels in this jar. And um, I went down one time and there weren't pretzels. And, you know, to me, like, that was all grief. Like, I lost my mind. So I knew there was, like, and people were like, I mean, there's other stuff. Like, there's no pretzels. But, like, I had this, I was looking for something in the food that was not going to be offered to me. And um, and it was my secret, you know. It was, like, I lived, I lived this, you know, and a lot of my disease, like, I would fluctuate. I had many sizes in my, like, I would go back and forth. But it wasn't, you know, I, I was never in this you know, I was never going to be noticed in that way. It was like a lot of my internal disease. I mean, people knew I had did weird things with, with food and, but it was a lot of, it was my secret. Um, and I just kind of, I just progressed that way. I did school and I did my eating disorder and it ebbed and flowed. I would like get in, fall in love and then I'd be distracted and not doing anything for a while. And that would like fill that hole. And that was who I was, whoever that person was, was who I was. I was like, a serial monogamous. I went from relationship to relationship, and I would just become who that person was. That that was my interest. That was you know my value. That was it. Um, and so I ended up, and then I ended up doing a lot of moving because it was the place I was that was the problem always. So I went to, and it was like I the rain obviously. So now I'm in California, which should have fixed all my problems. Um, but I was like, I need to be where it's warm. Like it'll be good. So I went to the Bay Area, and then I ended up down here, and I I ended up in like one unhealthy relationship after after another. You know, um, always with. Um, somebody, you know, who was either an active addict and alcoholic or <laughs> controlling and really unkind. Um, that was sort of my two options. And um, I, I, you know, I got all the places I wanted to get. I got the job I wanted to get. I lived in the, like, I got all the things on the outside. And in my family, like, once you get all the things, you're okay. Like, that's the way it works. And so at age 30, I had 
the job I was supposed to have. I had the house I was supposed to have. I had the guy who looked really great on my resume, you know, but was really unhealthy for me. Um, and he, you know, he really, he like shamed me so much about my family. Like he would say things like, you know, I don't like your genes or just like your family is. And you know, to be honest, he's right. Like it was a fair concern. Um, luckily I ended up with someone who's also got really messed up genes. <laughs> so we're, we're on like equal footing, but he, he really made me feel like a lot of shame and he would, we would, we would like go out to dinner and, um, he would, if he thought I was talking too much, he would kick me under the table and, like, do these, like, really weird things where I was like, oh, like, I'm talking too much. Like, not, what a freak. Like, he's trying to control me by kicking me under the table. But, like, that's just, like, that was what my value was. That was what my worth was. I was as good as you told me I was, depending on who you were. And, um, so I got a lot of, a lot of things happened. Like I got this big job and all these people, like my kind of careening people were taking me out to dinners to celebrate this big job. And I was dying. I was like a fraud. I was like, they don't even know who I am. And I would go to these meals and I would have this plan. Like, cause so my idea of the right amount of food is not enough. And if I have one bite more than not enough, I'm like off and gone. And so I'd go to all these dinners and I would make a plan for how I was going to do the dinner. I was going to get through it and I was going to, and then I would have that one bite too much. And then I would have to get out of there because I had stores to hit. I had a whole night ahead of me of, you know, binging and purging. And it was the works. It was like all this stuff. I couldn't take it in. I couldn't take in the good. I couldn't take in the bad. I couldn't take in the stress. I didn't know how to, to do life. I couldn't even stay in my body. And I was really scared. I was, I was progressing and I was living a lie. Like I'd go to work every day and I'd be like, these people have no idea who I am. Like they think I'm this normal person. They have no idea what I do. And I, um, so that was kind of like my just really starting to, um, reach a pretty uncomfortable bottom. I was 30 years old and I had, um, I was the oldest, I had just no hope for anything. I was like, there's nothing. I was in this brutal relationship with this guy who I was trying to get him to marry me because why not? It's not what you do when you're with the wrong person. Um, and I started to go to yoga and, um, I got, they were like, oh, there's this, there's this you know, um, what do you call it? Retreat. It's retreat in Ojai and that'd be great. So, and I had my, my boyfriend at the time when his parents came into town, they wanted to spend one-on-one time with him. We owned a home together. So obviously I had to leave so they could have one-on-one time. Um, and so he's like, you know, my parents are, my dad's coming to town. So like, (laughs) what's your plan? And, um, I went to this yoga retreat and, um, there was all these sober people and all these people in recovery and not one of them asked me about my job or like my resume or what are the things that make me valuable to walk the planet. They were like, Oh, so what do you like? And I was like, those are questions I really couldn't answer. I had no idea. What do I like? What are you, you know, it was like the most amazing weekend. And it was because I was with, I was like speaking the language of the heart. I was hearing the language of the heart from these people who had light in their eyes. And, um, that weekend, my brother also happened to get like another, um, DUI. 
And I was like, oh, well, I need to get him sober. I've now these, I realized these people are sober. So great. I'm going to, yeah, I'll go to this meeting. So I went to this Al-Anon meeting and this, the woman, um, took me out to dinner and she's like, you know, I think there might be another program that you want to visit. And I will never know why or how my whole life I went through and nobody noticed that I had this, like, really, like, what I was doing to myself. But she did. She saw me. And she was like, you know, my daughter um, goes to OA. And, you know, I don't know why I heard. I don't know why I listened. really wasn't my jam. I came from a family where we're better than or less than. And I'm not interested in your solution or advice. But I was really broken. I was really broken. And I was sick. And I went. And I went. And um, I heard this woman share. And she talked about, you know, the things I'd never heard someone talk about. Like, she talked about her bulimia, and she talked about, you know, she had things I wanted. She had babies, and I was, like, pretty convinced that I had done too much damage to my body to be able to, like, have kids. And, you know, and I didn't talk, but I I have done everything, you guys. I have done every diet that has ever, like, I can do it all for, like, a few weeks. And then the minute I, you know, I step outside, you know, but, like, I over-exercised. I under, I was, I have under-eaten. I've over-eaten. I've done, I've done it all really thoroughly to the end. And I really thought there was nothing that was ever going to help me have a different life. Like, I had done research. It was, like, people don't recover from eating disorders. They're plagued by them. Like, this is just my path. And, um... But I heard something. I heard this woman. She had light in her eyes. And she was so honest. And I didn't have experience with people being honest like that. Like, I had never in my life had so many people tell the truth until I came in here. And then there's just, like, now I don't know how to not tell the truth. I have to worry, like, put myself in different buckets when I go to work. Um, because I was so used to living a lie. And then I came in here and... Um, and I, so I did both like Al-Anon and an OA and I really needed to do both at the same time because my, my eating disorder is part of being affected by, by alcoholism. It was just one of my, it was just one of my tools and they kind of, they kind of went together and, um, they still do. And, um, so I, I jumped in and, you know, one of the things that happened for me early on is I was kind of using the tools to restrict. So I was like, this is really great. I can, like, I'm going to have these three perfect tiny meals, and I'm doing abstinent. And then I heard someone share about using the steps and the meetings to restrict. And I was like, oh, that would be what I'm doing. And then I went on this journey where I really had to let food in, like, really let it in and learn how to eat all kinds of things I had never eaten before. Um... I had such, like, limited things that were acceptable in my mind, and I had to let things in, like, you know, and, and that was a really painful, brutal part of my early recovery was, like, letting the food in, um, and it's such a blessing she was my sponsor because she had to do that same, like, she had had to gain weight, and she'd had to let the food in, and she knew that, st- you, you know, it had to start with stopping throwing up, and it had to start with, like, learning how to let food in. And um, I was terrified that I was just never going to stop letting the food in. And um, But, you know, in, in my very unacceptable body in my mind, like in that place where I had, like, I just, I was not fit to walk the planet if you asked my brain. Like, my brain's idea of what makes me worthy is, like, not t- attainable. But 
um, in that body, I fell in love with my husband who found me worthy of, you know, love. And um, he was actually at the retreat that I had gone to. And the first, like, you know, he was an attraction for me. Like, he had this light in his eyes. He felt comfortable in his own skin, and I could see it. And I had never felt that in my entire life. I had never felt comfortable in my own skin. And so all these, all this life happened to me, and I worked the steps. And at some point in the middle of my ninth step, we went on a trip to South America. And um, I don't know what happened to me there, but I saw all these women who were beautiful, who didn't look the exact same. They didn't have the exact, you know, it was like this whole, and I, um, something shifted there. And then all of a sudden the, the, the food started to fall away and the weight started to fall away. And that was also terrifying. Like I was always afraid, like, okay, now it's going to stop. Like I was, you know, so I have had, had to, to battle like the letting go, um, of control a number of different points but that was really like it lifted that obsession lifted and it was so it was 2000 I, I I started I count my abstinence date from when I started working my steps with the sponsor at the time and that was September 5th 2006 and um you know like abstinence and recovery has given me my whole life that I have today like my whole life is because of um recovery in these rooms and you know a lot of things have happened um I got I had two babies which was you know I'm not gonna lie being pregnant was tough for for um me I had to switch doctor the first doctor I went to started talking to me about what I was eating and my food and if I maybe I wasn't conscious of what I was eating and you know I was gaining too much anyway I had to leave her I was like I cannot go every week and talk about my food and my body I'm very aware of what I'm eating thank you very much and you know as it turned out my body I gained weight more in the beginning and less at the end I had totally healthy pregnancies I did not and I, I gained a healthy amount of weight enough weight not to you know but but I was really triggered I would I had to sit like that was another time where I was like oh yeah I'm not leaving I'm not leaving these these nice folks are my friends and I'm not going anywhere um so had two children and you know got got married um and had a lot of like really you know life I've had two I have two kids who have like crazy medical things which has been just a part of my my story and and my journey um and they're both in a much in a much better place, but a lot of unconventional things had to happen. Like I had to pull them out of school, and now there's homeschoolers all over the place because of the pandemic. But when I had to do it, it wasn't really a thing. And I was like, they're going to grow up, and people are going to think they're weirdos. And um, we've had to do a lot of unconventional things, and I've been able to do that with with like not only grace, but realizing that like God's driving, like. That, that that my, you know, I will never understand how it worked, like how I came in here and how I heard, like, I'm just such a judge, judgy person by, by my true nature. I don't get it. Like, I don't know how I came in and I thought, I listened and I heard, but I was um, filled with, like, it was, um, it was really overcome by it and that people would talk to me and not expect anything in return. And I developed my first relationships with women. I did not do, I, I, I did not have the kind of mom that I, that I wanted. And, um, I, women were not safe for me at all. And I like, 
I don't even have one in like, and I had tons of inappropriate man relationships. That was how I did it. They were much safer. And now it's like only women in my life. I don't even have like a man friend that I'm like, it's like so weird how I learned how to do boundaries and like life. I remember my first OA sponsor was like, well, I was like, oh, well, my ex-boyfriend, he's, she's like, no, we don't hang out with our ex-boyfriends. And I was like, we don't? And she was like, no, we don't, we don't even talk to them. And I was like, we don't? I was like, you know, I had no idea, like, how to do anything normal. And so, like, one thing at a time, I learned how to, to be, like, a, a grown-up. And I learned how to eat meals. I learned how to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And I also had to learn how to not let recover, like, let the tools keep me in my disease. Like, there are a lot of things that, depending on, you know, we all have get to have our own abstinence, and we it's so important in my experience that, like, I found the abstinence that's right for me, um, because it's, we don't all have the exact same story. And I have at times struggled with he- hearing someone and being like, oh, I'm going to do that, but it's not my recovery brain, it's my brain that thinks it sounds really sexy to have longer between meals, you know? And so I have to really be honest with myself and you all, um, as I've, you know, as I've, I've gone through and there've been many times where I felt like, like the, the compulsion was removed from me so powerfully that I really was like, I'm good. I've thought that many times, not 10 minutes after thinking that something really, really makes it clear that that's not the case at all. But a lot of my life, like I live in, you know, not obsessed with what I'm going to eat or what my body looks like. And literally 95% of my brain power before I came in here was what am I going to eat? What am I not going to eat? You know, what does my body look like? You know, my, one of my things is before I would go to do anything that was stressful, like meet a boyfriend's parents, because everything was about the boyfriend and how they saw me and being accepted. So I would like binge and starve or be really crazy before, um, a trip. And, I, you know, I couldn't see that it was just like, and to this day, like when I go to Portland, I immediately am like, oh, I've gained weight. I have definitely gained weight. That is like the first thought I have when I land at that airport, you know, because I, it's like, that's my old glove from that, you know, and it's like, okay, I really feel not okay. And it's scary for me to go home and, you know, like I have to learn tools all the time. And I'm honestly like really still unpacking a lot of that. Um, I definitely know now that I will never graduate from this, these fellowships and it's like a journey, but I want to share a little bit about what's happened sort of, um, you know, the last couple of years because it's definitely been, um, notable. I, so during one of the silver linings of the pandemic for me was that we ended up moving to Ojai, which is where I found recovery. I met my husband. We also got married there. Um, and a whole bunch of God happened to make that possible. A whole bunch of God. Um, and you know, it sort of just, it sort of just happened. Um, but there was no, there wasn't like a normal kind of grief process because we weren't seeing anybody. So it wasn't like there was going to be a party or there was no, you know, all of a sudden now I'm like, okay, I live somewhere else now for a couple of years and I got a really build where I am. Like, I still want this to be the only place I come, you know, and 
I really have to start somewhere else and I can't like the language of the heart is everywhere like it may not be the same as it is in LA and in, in this meeting but it's all over and I do need to start doing that um I just want to share my, my daughter used to come with me to this meeting and um not having it's been like a loss for her because she really felt she felt the love you know and she really wanted to come today, and she was like, will you, tell, will you tell everybody that I really wish I was there? Um, yeah, I mean, so anyway, I moved, uh, my kid, my, I moved to um, Ojai, and I kept my job here, and it was like all these, you know, there's a lot of real, like a real blessings um, that came to my family. Um, and the last year was kind of beyond. Um, about a year ago, there was a whole thing that I happened in my husband's family that basically were not in touch with um, his parents, and I don't know that we will be. And they were people who literally invaded my house every six weeks from the time my children were born, and I had to like, and now they're not in our lives, and I don't know that they will be. Um, and then in September, my mom, um, and I could talk to you for two hours about my mom, like that's a whole thing, but, um, she got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and, um, you know, alcoholism destroyed my family. That's just like the kind of facts of it. Um, I heard this speaker talk about how, and this was like, I was like, oh, is she going to do an outside issue? But she shared about this thing that they'd done where they talked about how sick people get living in, in ism and that how, you know, and, and um, both my parents are now gone and they died young. And in my mind, it was because I lived in absolute insanity. But she um, got diagnosed with cancer and she, um, a whole bunch of other things came out. Like my, my brother is, um, a lifelong practicing addict and, um, probably has other stuff too, but he's lived at home. He's not had a separate life. So he was there and the whole, it was just like a mess. And she finally decided she was going to come. She wanted to come stay with us for a few weeks. So she came and she moved in and we had like three really sweet weeks. I had three really sweet weeks with her. And then she got my brother an RV because he, she was worried she, he wouldn't get, she would never get him out of the house. And she bought him this, like, sprinter van, um, and he descended upon us in, like, chaoticism. And we had to ask, I said, we can't, you know, I was like, I've got two kids. My kids are still recovering from just the little that they saw. And I had to ask him to leave, and she went with him. And she said a lot of really awful things to my husband, to my kids, to me. She has said a lot of really awful things throughout my life. Um, and she went with him, and they kind of careened around. And um, the end of December, they ended up in Palm Springs. And on December 27th, my brother caused a fatal um, car accident that sent seven people to the hospital and killed a man. Well, he nodded off and he, you know, with this sprinter van crushed, you know, seven cars, five cars. And six days later, my mom passed. And I don't to this day know if she died of pain or can't, I, I just, um, and I was with her the last 24 hours and 
God gave me the grace to show up and be of love and service and hold her and also not lose myself. And it was an unbelievable blessing. Um, it was an unbelievable blessing. She had said nothing but awful things to me. And she blamed me for the car accident because he was so upset about not being welcome at our house that it caused him to do this. And, you know, that's kind of the story. Like, everything was my fault. And I um, went, she didn't want to, you know, see me. And anyway, but I got to go be with her for the last 24 hours of her life. And um, when I got there, she had a necklace that I'd given her. And it was the only thing she was wearing, and she had her hand over it. And um, she, we, you know, had this... um, There was just weird things going on. She was in an Airbnb because she was in an Airbnb, and then there was, like, it was just a very unusual situation. All the professionals involved were just, like, what is happening? Like, you have the craziest family. I was like, I do know that. Um, But so my brother's in prison. There's drug paraphernalia everywhere in this Airbnb. There's, like, you know. and But I I got to go and show up and have this, like, 24 hours with her. And um, the night, like, I'd been there... Um, I was, I was so tired. I was about to go to sleep and I just said, mom, you know, and it was, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to sleep. Like it's been, I'm going to lay down. I'll be right next door. And she wasn't coherent at that point. And, um, I started to, I had her phone and it dinged and I looked at something and I saw this message and she had this, there was all these crazy, there was only crazy people in their lives at the end, which is kind of what it looks like. And this woman had written this whole thing about how demons had caused my brother to do this accident and that maybe me and my husband had done witchcraft to cast a spell. And I was like, wow. I mean, um, but then there was this, and my mom was texting after the accident. She's like, I'm just trying to figure out how to not fall into my daughter's clutches. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I was so close to getting up and walking out of that room and just being like, I'm done. And, you know, I honestly would have had every right to not go there in the first place. Like, a lot of stuff moms aren't supposed to do. Moms did. Mom, my mom did. And I just sat there and I was like, no. I was like, I'm not leaving. And I had this conversation with her. She was, you know, I, I will always believe that she was there for this. And I just said, Mom, I'm really sorry. I'm looking at your phone. I do not I do not let people I sponsor look at other people's phones. I do not look at other people's phones. I'm really sorry. I have it for reasons. So I apologize for looking at your phone, and I'm going to really try not to look at it as we go on because I'm sure there's more. But I said, but the things you have said to me and you have said about me are so painful like so painful to be your daughter who has done nothing but try to be a good, you know, daughter and for this to be like it's really painful and I'm gonna do everything in my power to work through it. And I was like, but you know what, I let you go. I was like, I forgive you, I let you go. Um and I said, You don't like I choose to believe the things you said to me when you were in my house. You know, and she did she said these things to me. She said like, I never told you how magnificent I thought you were And she told me things I wanted to hear my whole life, you know, about how proud she was. And I said, I choose to remember those things because I think that's the truth. Um, And I'm letting go of all this other stuff. I'm letting go. And then I, you know, they have those little sponges that you dip 
new mouths and I dipped her the sponge and I um, put it on her lips and I was like and while I have you in my clutches I was like this is how this is how I'm going to take care of you because this is who I am you know I'm going to be of love and service to you because that's who I am and who I am is who I learned to be here you know and um, I said a prayer and I asked God to hold her and to comfort her and to set her free from the things in her mind. And I sang, I'm not a good singer, and I sang Amazing Grace. And she took her last breath while I sang. And I felt like we had, you know, an exchange. It was a privilege and an honor to be with her. Um, and my journey letting go of that is, like, not done of her and all the things. You know, my brother, is it's his third DUI, so he'll be, they're going to seek 25, 35 years. Like, he won't. And that's part of my story. But in that moment, I was so clear about who I was. And I never, like, I thought, what a miracle that, like, I was this 30-year-old girl who had no idea how to do a moment. And now I can do really, really hard moments with grace. And I was totally supported. I felt loved. And I'd heard all these people tell stories about being there with their parents in the end. There's this, this actually the woman in recovery in Helena, and she's Japanese, and she's shared Japanese traditions where you, you know, wipe down. like And I did all those traditions. I was like, I'm doing everything. Like, I'm doing all the things that I've learned. And um, I had, I was set free, you know. I really felt like I was freed. Um, you know, when I pick it back up, I'm not going to, you know, she she tried to cut me, both my husband and I managed to get disinherited this year, which is also one of our success stories. Um, but it was like my brother was trying to convince her to, you know, it was like not about, um, it was it was whatever. Anyway, and the whole thing didn't work because my dad had like thought that this would happen and done this whole, there was all these God things that were like, what? Like, how is that possible? So I guess I just, um, it's been a really tough year for me, and I've been totally carried by the fellowship, by um, the steps and the traditions, and by all kinds of people in 12-step recovery. Like, you know, my husband's adorable, sober friends, like, they showed up at my house, and they were like, Jen, we don't know what to say to you, but, like, we're going to hug you, and we're going to love you, and... You know, like, I just, it was okay. Like, it's its not what I would have picked. Like, having my family, it's just like, Phew. But I, um, for some reason, like, the light, I could hear the light. I could see the light. I came in, and I, you know, my story isn't over. And I'm, I have no idea how else it can get gnarlier, but I'm sure I can. <laughs> and I can, I will be okay. I won't do any of it alone. And, um, you know, I am really, really grateful for all of it. I'm really grateful for all of it, and I'm grateful I had 15 years of recovery before. Um, Some of the stuff of this year happened, but I'm also, um, I don't know, it's just the fabric of my family, my children. You know, my children are more bummed than anyone else that we don't have these in-person meetings as much, and... Anyway, I have my whole life because of the foundation that I was given here, and um, I'm really, really grateful to you all. And if you're new, I just, I hope you stay. And um, that's it.
The question is how I did I determine what my absence would be and what was my process. I talked about it with my sponsor, and um, you know I don't think there's like I I was a kind of person who wanted a math formula for like how to this is what you do like this is how you get someone sober this is how you get abstinent and you know my experience has been a lot more gray than that um, but what it was for me is like I had to eat three meals and not throw up and um, it was a journey so at first it started with not throwing up and then I added you know not binging and I was like but what does that mean exactly and so it's like really like was like three meals and not throwing up um, snacks were like always very confusing to me and very hard and I was just like wow and I, I still to this day don't know if that's because I just feel better with less that's like I'm, or you know like it's just very confusing to me so um, that's been my my absence for a very very long time um, but my food ebbs and flows you know it ebbs and flows and there's a lot of God like I know some people it's you it's got to be more rigid for me I will become a crazy person in my disease if it's too rigid so like it's so important to find I, I think to find our you know our own way thank you